Let me just tell you something about this morning's message. I usually put almost all of the scripture on the screen. That is not the case today. So if you want to grab a Bible, we are going to be looking at about four, well, 13 different chapters. I know some of you are like, whoa, this sermon's never going to be over. He's invited us to dinner at supper time. I promise I will let you out. I will do my best to sum it up by noon. How's that? And then uh, we'll eat as soon thereafter as we can set up shop and uh, get the hamburgers and hot dogs cooked. The life of Joseph. Let me start at the end and then we'll back up. How's that? Go with me. Uh, you see that piece of cloth up there? You see that one behind there says God intended it for good? You see that piece of cloth back there? That's called iridescent. And I put that piece of cloth there because it is very probable, according to the translation, that the robe that, that Isaac made for Jacob was actually iridescent in color and shimmered with, iridescent in, in scope and shimmered with color. It was probably white as the base color and just picked up all the colors around it and shimmered like a rainbow did. It was one of those things that not many people had, but it also got him in trouble, right? So let's talk about it just for a minute. Uh, Genesis chapter 50, I want to read one verse to you and then we're going to read, uh, well, may not read a lot of verses. We're going to go through a lot of verses, okay? So if you're not used to traveling fast, hold on to something. Your neighbor's hand would probably be okay. Here's what we find in Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. And let me set this up for you. Joseph is the second highest leader in the country of Egypt. Second only to the Pharaoh. As a matter of fact, Pharaoh could, Pharaoh could veto the order of Joseph, but he didn't. Whatever Joseph said went. There was no other ruler in Egypt who had as much power. And we'll find out how he got there in a few minutes. But Joseph is in that place and his brothers had not exactly been good to him. They had been separated. Y'all ever have any family where you've been separated for some time? I'm not speaking to her. You don't know how she treated me. Or, hey look, I know he's my twin brother. But that's all the more reason he should know that. We're never talking again. Well, that's the kind of relationship his brothers had with him. It was worse than that, by the way. You haven't been treated by a brother quite like his brothers treated him, okay? But here he is. He had been rejected by them, had been sold into slavery into Egypt, and he was there second in command. And his brothers had come down to get food from him. And for the second, now the third time, they were back. Actually, this particular statement happens at the very end of his life. His daddy dies and his brothers are like, oh no. He's the second in command to the rulers of Egypt and daddy's dead. Who is he going to listen to? We're dead meat. Right? And, and, and he looked at their faces. Joseph looked at their faces and said, don't be afraid. I or am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. But God 
intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done in the saving of many lives. You see, what this picture of Joseph's life is to tell us, that no matter what happens in our lives, whatever kind of mistake we make, whatever kind of crazy attitude we may have had, no matter how bad we may have messed it up, God redeems situations. God redeems people. God redeems families. Hallelujah. God redeems churches. God redeems nations. He's in a redeeming business. In other words, things that were meant for bad, things that have been destroyed, totally twisted and torn up, God changes for His good. How could Joseph have had that attitude? I mean, y'all ever been on a roller coaster of life? I mean, you know what I'm talking about? One day you're like, oh my goodness, is this thing ever going to stop going up? Is this thing going to... Y'all know what I'm talking about. I, you know, I... I, I had trained to be a pastor. I, I worked hard. I went to school and I worked myself, you know, through school. I crammed four years of college into five. I was really, really working hard to do the things that needed to be done. And, and I was working 40, 60 hours a week on the side and trying to do that. And then at the end of that, I started pastoring. As soon as I graduated from, from college, it was like a year later, I started pastoring and I'm working at the same time trying to pastor. And, and I went to my second church and, and then God called me to the mission field and, and I took four kids that were entering, three of them were in their teenage years, one was 10 and, and I took them to the mission field and, and we were there in the mission field for seven years and I was away from home for 265 days a year and, and my kids were like, Ugh, what's going on? And my wife was like, oh, this is the way it's going and, and all of a sudden she has a heart attack and we have to come home. And then she contracts cancer and she dies. And then my kids are like, what's going on, daddy? Where is God and all of this? And, 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 and I, I lived by myself for 18 months and I didn't think I was ever going to be, back, be able to get back in the ministry. And, and I landed a, an, an interim pastor job and I went from that to a second interim pastorate job. And then I met Bobby Joe and then we got engaged and then we got married and then we pastored here. And now I'm here today. You see what I'm talking about? Life is a roller coaster. But God is in control of the roller coaster. And as long as we know that, as long as we can hold on to that truth, as long as we can recognize that it's not about us, it's about Him, we can make it. I'll tell you how it started. Isaac, uh, and Rebecca had a dysfunctional marriage. And, and they had a little boy named Jacob. And a boy named Esau. And you remember that story from last week. And then Jacob got married to Leah first and Rachel. And, and then they weren't having babies fast enough because they were in competition with one another. And they started offering their handmaidens 
so that they could have more kids. And, and by the time it got done, he didn't start until he was 70. Yeah, that's late. And by the time he got done, I mean, by the time he hit 90, he had 12 kids. Woo! I know there's one way to grow a church, and I know that's not a way I'm going to plan on. I'd rather you invite your neighbors. It's a whole lot faster, a whole lot less costly for me. Plus, I don't think I could handle 12 kids. I'm not sure I could handle one right now. All mine are grown, and I'm grateful for that. Got two more grandbabies on the way real soon. But anyway, Joseph, he, he, he was born to that, to that last wife. And Jacob loved that last wife more than he loved all of his other wives and concubines. And, and he kind of um, pampered Joseph to the, to the point that it made the other boys feel uncomfortable. It was so bad that Jacob began to... Well, by this time, his name was changed to Israel, okay? So Israel began to take his son, and, and he began to use him as kind of his insider. And he'd have him spying on the rest of the family. Go, go look at him. Tell him what they're doing. Come back and tell me. And little Joseph, being the obedient kid, would go out tell him. He'd come back and tell on his brothers. And his dad would like, hey guys, I know what you were doing out there. Joseph told me. Whoa. Now, that's not going to make him the champion of the family, you know, number, number one of the twelve. It wasn't really appreciated. And to beat that, his dad made him this coat that shimmered, you know, and picked up all of the colors, the mini color coat. And here he comes strolling out through the sunshine, looked like a rainbow on fire. And he's going looking for his brothers, and his brothers see him coming a long way off. And they're out at Dothan watching these sheep, and, and they're like, there he comes. I hate him. I wish he wasn't a part of the family. Let's, let's eliminate him. And so that was their plan. Well, long story short, they ended up sticking him in a well. Now the well was, was dry. And the bottom of it was a big hollowed out like bowl. And, and then the top came up and it was very narrow. And they, they would put bricks along this way so that they could line the inside of it to keep dirt out of it. And, and, but it was just big enough basically to get a single human being down there. And so they lowered him down into the well and left him there. Ah. They were going to pull him up after they had lunch and kill him. But while they were having lunch, God sent some nomads by, some traders, two groups of them. And they came riding by the place where he was. And one brother looked at him and said, hey, you know what? We can get rid of him and make a little money. Okay, let's do that. So they pulled him up, sold him. 20 pieces of silver. The price of a single slave. See, part of the roller coaster of Joseph's life was that he was endeared. His mother loved him dearly until she died in childbirth of his little brother, Benjamin. And his daddy loved him and he embraced him and he held him close and he, he wanted him. That was his because he had lost his wife now. 
The one that he loved, he lost. And so he put all of that love into Joseph. And it was a bad thing. He was both endeared and he was hated. He was forsaken. They just basically said, that's it. Well, he went into the hands of these these nomads and, and they were trading on the way to Egypt. They got to Egypt. And when they got there, voila, they sold him to the captain of Pharaoh's guard. In essence, this was the guy who was responsible for all of the royal offenders. Looking for the right word there. They were the ones who did things against the king. And so whenever they would do things against the king, he would go arrest them. He was like captain of the of the guards of the king. And so he would go arrest them and, and put them in a prison. And Pharaoh, I mean uh, Potiphar, he oversaw this, uh, this prison. But he also was in the presence of, of the Pharaoh. Well, he goes in 17 years old. Anybody in here 17 years old? Yep. There's one sound booth. 17. So he's younger just a little bit than you guys. But not much. No, he's older than you guys. Just a little bit. You're younger than he was. So here he is, 17 years old. He had been his daddy's favorite. He had, his daddy had helped him and his daddy kind of let him oversee some things. And he gets in Potiphar's house and Potiphar recognizes how capable he is. And by the time he gets done training him, Potiphar stopped doing everything. It said that Potiphar did not concern himself Except for what he ate. In other words, he didn't make any plans. Now I've had some executive secretaries. But I've never had anybody other than one of my wives. Who has ever cared for me quite like this young man cared for Potiphar. He didn't have to, he didn't have to think about what was going on with this. He didn't have to think about what was going on with that. All of his schedule was taken care of. His household finances were taken care of. He was ordering folks around in Potiphar's house and everything was fine until he moved from 17 into his 19, 20 year old range. At which point Potiphar's wife said, now that is one good looking dude. You know, the scripture only calls three people beautiful. Three. David, Absalom, and Joseph on men. Only three men in the Bible that are beautiful. And here here is uh, Joseph. He's beautiful. And she sees that he's beautiful. Her husband's gone all day. Joseph's there. And she's like, I think I'd like to have relations with him. And so she starts flirting and Joseph ignores it. And she flirts a little bit harder and Joseph ignores it. And finally, she basically puts it all on the line. You are coming with me. And she reaches out and he grabs him. She said, you're going to my bed. And when she grabbed his coat, he just shed his coat and ran away. It infuriated her. What does it say? Nothing worse than a woman scorned. 
She was upset. She went into her bedroom with that coat and let out a blood-curdling, Ah! And the, the slaves came running. What's going on? What's going on? He came in here while I was sleeping and tried to attack me. What? Who? No, not Joseph. Yeah. What's what happened? But he has, he's like, why would he do that? I've never seen him. No, 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 he did it. So what happened? He doesn't get a trial. He gets a sentence. You see, when you're, when you're that high in Pharaoh's court, you just basically announce whatever you want to. But here's the neat thing. You understand this. He was not a royal offender. But he got stuck in a prison of royal offenders. How could that have happened? Only one way. God put him on the right caravan, brought the right man at the right time, trained him in the right way to create that relationship in the right way so that he would get thrown in the right prison. Now, I know some of you look at me and say, everything I follow with you up until that last statement. But till they would throw him in the right prison. That's craziness. Okay. I hear you. It does sound craziness. Because in our minds, we have a hard time seeing what God is doing when he's doing something that doesn't make human sense. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you just look at it and you go like, I don't understand Where is God in all this? How can God, who a loving God, who cares about me, how can He who said He died for me, how can He be doing something like, let me get thrown in a prison and I'm not even guilty? But He didn't say that. He went to prison. Went to Potiphar's, the one that Potiphar was in charge of. And when he got there, it wasn't too many days until he was second in command to the jailer. As a matter of fact, it was like the jailers phoned it in. Uh, Y'all take care now. I'm going to put Joseph in charge. I'll be back in a couple months. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he was saying, I, I trust him. And he was coordinating everything. And it said that after a while, we don't know how long it was. We do know that between the time that he got in there until the time that he interpreted Pharaoh's dream was 13 years. So he was in Pharaoh's house part of the time. I tend to think it was about half and half based on my understanding of what the story goes. But I do know this. He was at least in prison two years and he'd been in there, what the scripture says, sometime before. Because after some time, two of the king's royal prisoners came in. We don't know why they came in, but because of who they were, it probably meant that somebody thought they were trying to poison the king. Right? So the baker got thrown in there. And the cup cup bearer got thrown in there. 
One of them was the wine taster who brought the wine to the to the table of the Pharaoh. And the other one was the man who brought the bread to the Pharaoh's table and, and made the bread and prepared it. And Pharaoh wasn't happy with something. So they got in there. And both of them said the same thing that most people in prison said. Not guilty. No, no, it wasn't me. It was a mistake. I'm not in here because I did something wrong. Joseph's like, I, I know that. I, I, I'm here too. Well, one night, those two boys, or young men, had a dream. And they got up the next morning and their life was really confused. They could not figure out what was going on with the dream. And both of them, they started talking about it. The people in the prison heard about it. And Joseph overheard it and said, what's the dream? I mean, I don't know what, but I know a God who can tell me what the dream means. Y'all get this? You see, he had done dreams before. Back at home, he was in his mom and daddy's house. And, and he had a dream about these um, sheaves. Wheat growing up and bound together. And he said there were uh, 13 of these sheaves were bowing to the one. And then he said there were stars and the sun and the moon. And the, the 11 stars bowed to the one star. And the sun and the moon bowed to the one star. Of course, that made his brothers really happy. But, you know, this was not his interpretation of the dream. This was God showing him something so that he would understand what the future meant. And it would not reveal itself immediately. It was something that would come into play later on. Well, here he is. And the one boy said, yeah, I, um, I see mine. My dream of the cup. The other baker's like, my dream of the bread and... And this is the state. And when they got done telling him the details of the dream, Joseph said, I tell you what, cupbearer, you're going to be reinstated to your position. This time tomorrow, you're going to be serving the king. Well, the baker liked that. So he went back, hey, here's my dream. He's like, no, you, you're going to be hung by tomorrow this time. What? How did he get the good one and I didn't? Right? And sure enough, next day, and when Joseph interpreted the dream, the one stipulation he gave was, okay, guys, I'm going to do this for you. This is God's interpretation, but I need you to remember me. Would you remember me? Oh, yeah, we got you. There could be a story in this about our spirituality too, right? When we need God and we call on him and he interprets our dreams, he answers our prayer. We say, ah, we'll remember you. And next Sunday morning, oh, I'm just so tired. <laughs> I don't think I can. Or, you know what, it's going so good, God. I just think, you know, I thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'll be back. You know, when I need something, I'll be back to see you. Well, that's not, it's not what Joseph meant, but that's what this... This cupbearer did. He went on and he's serving the king and he was in there for two years. Can you imagine? Forgetting that you had been in jail and that your partner got killed and that you were supposed to speak a word to the king and for two years. But you know what? It, it didn't frazzle Joseph 
Because you see, he understood this was God's time. Well, he was entrusted by Pharaoh. Then he was falsely accused and imprisoned. And then the third thing on the list is he was empowered to do everything in that jail. And then the the cupbearer walked away and forgot him. The next thing on the list is he was enthroned. After two years, the king had a dream. The dream of the king was one that was particularly baffling. You remember what it was? What was it? Corn eating the corn and the cows eating the cows. There were seven fat ears of corn. And up sprung seven skinny ears of corn. And the skinny ones ate the fat ones and they didn't get any fatter. And then the seven big fat cows were eaten by the seven skinny cows. And the seven skinny cows didn't get any fatter. And Pharaoh's like, all my wise men, somebody give me a drink. I just got to have an answer to this one. I ain't never seen skinny cows eat like that and not get fat. I don't know what it means. Tell me what it means. So they sent all the... Nobody could tell him. And he was going bonkers. How in the world could this be? Nobody's got an answer. Of all my wise men, nobody does. And all of a sudden, because it was getting a little frightful in there. You know how it is when you don't get an answer and your boss is like, uh, I got to have an answer. I mean, I got to have an answer now. And the people around him are going, somebody find an answer. Please, somebody find an answer. I don't know where you're going to get, but somebody find an answer. Go to the yellow pages. Go somewhere. Go get an answer because somebody's got to find an answer. He's going to make it difficult for us. And the person who was bearing the cup said, Hmm. I think, I, I seem to remember. There was a guy in prison with us. Matter of fact, I know he did. He told me that I was going to come back and, and the other fellow that was with me is going to get killed. And you know what? It happened exactly like he said. And so the word got back to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, get that man here. Well, Joseph had been in prison. It was a dungeon. It was a dark, dirty, nasty hole. And, and so he took a bath, put on fresh clothes, shaved, and went before the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh told him about the dream and he said, you know what? I know the answer to this one. I don't, but my God does. And here's what God says. You're going to have seven years of the most powerful, beautiful harvest that you've ever seen. But in year eight, hardly anything. It's going to be a famine. Both in this land and in all the lands around. So get ready. You're going to get hit hard. And Pharaoh's like, what, what, what are we going to do? And he said, well, you need to or appoint somebody as administrator. And you need to let them oversee the collection of the harvests. And you take 20% of everything that's out there. And you guard it in here. So that over those next seven years, you've got something to give. I do that. Who am I going to hire? Since you knew it, you're going to be the man. 
And then at that day, in that moment, he said, you are second in command to me. Everybody in this country answers to you. Therefore, go do your job. And he let him be. And guess what happened? Pharaoh liked him. And because Pharaoh liked him, the rest of Pharaoh's courts liked him. All the people that were dealing with him felt like he was doing it fairly. And for seven years. Bring in the taxes. Bring it in. Let's build these barns. Let's build these silos. Let's build these places to hold this corn and grain and such. And and then guess what? Year eight happened and people are going, ooh. He did know what he was talking about. Year nine came and the people are are living off of what they've been storing too. Not just Pharaoh. The people have been storing as well. And they're living off of what they've stored up. But the people out there who were not in Egypt didn't know about the preservation for the years of famine. And so they were running out by year two. And in that crew were these 11 sons of Israel. Now, get this. When they sold Joseph into slavery, they took that iridescent robe he had and sprinkled blood on it and caused their daddy to go into mourning, thinking that he had been killed by wild animals. And he was still mourning. Twenty-one years later. And the boys say to him, or he says to the boys, why are you sitting around here? We don't have any food. And you know there's food down in Egypt. Go get us some. Pack up some of the gold, some of the silver, some of the stuff we have to trade. Take it down there. Bring us back some food. We're going to starve. So down they went. Went down there. Got into the place to start trading. And as they were walking by to get ready to do this trade, Joseph recognized them. Now, you have to understand something. Joseph came in as a 17-year-old Hebrew. But he lived for 13 plus 7 plus 2, 22 years as an Egyptian. So he probably had his head shaved. He probably had his face shaved. He probably was wearing Egyptian attire. He probably had things to deck him out and make him look like an Egyptian and walk like an Egyptian. The issue is this. They didn't recognize him. And he saw him and he said to the people in charge, I'm going to take care of this. Take their money. Give them food. And then the money that they've given you, put it back in their bags. Send them home. So they did. His brothers got up the road. Got down for a break. Knelt around the fire. One of them opens up the bag to get a little grain maybe to make some food. And he's like, my money's in here. What money? The money I paid for the grain with. What? So they looked in their bags and they're like, everybody's money's in there. What are we going to do? We'll never be able to go back. 
Who did it? How did it happen? So they went home and told their daddy and their daddy's like, this is not good. But they waited. A little later, he's like, we're running out of food again. Go down. We're scared. Our money was in the bag. They didn't know Joseph had put it there. They just knew that their money was back in their bag. So they went down and they got in the face of Joseph and, and, and now he starts talking to him. They're, they're telling him, I'm sorry. We, we brought, we didn't mean to do this. And Joseph told his steward, he said, when, when they start saying that kind of stuff, just tell them it's okay. I got your money. Now they won't know what's going on here. He's messing with them. The reality is in this setting, Joseph is so much like the type of Christ. For those of us that are walking in ignorance and walking in darkness and who have rebelled against him. Because sometimes the Holy Spirit is very serious with us and shakes us up. Causes us to go, oh no, what now? In order to do the final thing that Joseph did, which was to embrace them. So here Joseph is, he's, he's listening to what they have to say. And so he starts to ask them about their family. How's your father? He's, he's, he's good. He's still alive. Good. That's good. And, and he, he got shaken up so much about his father that he turned around and he started crying. And he turned back around to them. He said, how's the rest of your family? How, how, do you have other brothers? Yeah, we've got one other brother. But he couldn't come because daddy wouldn't let him come. because, he, Oh, no, no, no. you got to bring the brother you know, in order, order to do this. And so when they came back, they brought the brother. And, and, and so this time he said, bring him in. I'm going to have dinner with him. Brought him in, set him around the table. And you know, the Egyptians didn't eat with the anybody else other than Egyptians. No other culture. Would they, it was considered disdainful. And so they, they looked at them and said, you eat there. My brother's going to eat over here. But he's in the same room. And, so those, they, and when he had them sit down, he seated them in order of their birth. All the way around the table. And he gave his brother... Five times the amount of food that he'd given everybody else. And when, he, when they finished, he had his stewards again put their monies back in their sacks. And their old monies back in their sacks. And their gifts back in their sacks. And then he said, take the cup that I drink with. My gold cup. And you put it in Benjamin's bag. And they got on their door horses and donkeys and mules and whatever and rode up the road. They got a little further away and they sat down to eat. And all of a sudden they realized the money was back in their sacks. And they realized that actually they didn't realize it yet. Joseph had sent a messenger out to get them. And he caught up to him just about the time they were about ready to rest. And, and the messenger said, what have you done stealing my master's cup? Are you repaying good with evil? And he's like, no, 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 no. None of us had the cup. None of us did that. He said, if you find the cup here, that person will surely die. Careful. 
And they opened it up and there's Benjamin. And Benjamin, you know, they said, kill our dad. He's still mourning Joseph. If Benjamin, what are we going to do? We can't go back home. And so they were taking Benjamin back. And he's like, no, 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 no. You don't need to come back. Just bring Benjamin. He'll die. And he's like, no, we can't. We can't go back to our father. So they came into his presence and they begged and pleaded forgiveness. And they pleaded and begged that he would show mercy. And they pleaded and begged. And finally... Joseph sent all of the servants out of the room. And he wailed. Cried so loudly that Pharaoh's house heard it. And he told them. I'm the brother. I'm the brother you sold. I'm your brother that you betrayed. I'm your brother that you treated that way. But guess what? I don't hold any of that against you because what you intended for wrong, God used for good. Did you know that you're not here this morning by accident? You're not. I don't know why you're here. Maybe it's to hear the message, maybe it was to hear a song, maybe it was so the Holy Spirit could speak to you. But you realize the wires. That had to be interwoven to get you here. To sit you in this service. I mean some of you came here. Months ago. About something that needed to be done. And God brought you back into this place. Some of you. Went to Hardy's. To do a little boot scooting. Right Jim? Gene? Or Joan? And, yeah? A little boots, good and boogie and hardies. And you ended up in church. Some of you went to the hair salon. And you ended up in church this morning. Some of you have family that God has allowed to be interwoven with our wives. And you're here this morning because they're here. Some of you found our web page or our Facebook page and you came in. But you're not here by accident. This is the divine plan Of the most high God. And what I'm telling you is this. If you will let him. Even prison sentences. Can bring glory and honor to him. Do you realize that if it hadn't been for Joseph being sold into slavery. The children of Israel would not have completed their task. That they were supposed to do. Which is go down into slavery and come back out. And to have the story of the redeemer. Printed on their history. Jesus' very death and resurrection was linked to Joseph's roller coaster ride. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Today, God has a plan for your life. I would ask that you would stop just a moment and consider the circumstances that are around you and, and say, you know what? Maybe that person did mean it for evil. Maybe they did something that hurt me. Or maybe they did something to cause me to be offended. But you know what I should do? I should understand that God desires to use that for good. So that the world around me may see him in me and glorify my father in him.